So you wanna know how to incorporate end range strength into your weekly workouts. This is a hot topic, something that uh, a lot of our members in the UMS Movement Mastermind really wanna know about. And it's something that if you get right, you are going to see some of the biggest breakthroughs you've ever had in your flexibility and strength through full range. Stick around. What's up everyone? Just in case this is your first rodeo, my name is Yanni Bormeister. To my left around the table is Phil White and across the table is Rad. Behind the mixer is Richie. Together we are Unity Gym and the UMS. Uh, we turn driven people into athletes. If you want to know how, you can learn all of our biggest insights and lessons by downloading the three blueprints on nutrition, strength, or flexibility. There's links in the description if you're watching on YouTube or listening to the podcast. Otherwise, you can jump straight on our website, unitygym.com. We have a big show today. Um, now, before we dive into today's topic, I do want to let you know we're going to be answering a couple of great questions from some of our online coaching tribe. Ben Lodges asked a couple of crackers in regards to the foundations program that was released on sale last week. Lots of people have jumped on and grabbed the opportunity of the year to get that because we don't release that one very often. We're going to get to that towards the end, uh, but first we are going to dive into something that's very, very important, which is how to create and structure an efficient wor workout that allows you to develop both strength and <coughs> flexibility evenly in balance. And uh, really what we're diving into today is end range strength, uh, but it's going gonna, it's gonna to really apply to everyone depending on what type of flexibility you're working on at what at what stage, you know. For all those uh, Physio Friday fans out there, we're um, doing a little restructure of the the week, and so we're going to have to figure out some catchy name for Monday, but uh, for anyone who has physio-related <laughs> questions, you're going to hold on, we'll put them out here, and I'll get to them over the weekend, and we'll, we'll talk about it on Monday, so. Yeah, yeah. that's right, and, and one of the ones that we are going to be talking about, uh, there was a question that came through Mike, Mike Sims, yeah. yeah, Mike. Mike, if you are watching or you do catch the replay, your question uh, about your foot will be answered on Monday, the new Physio Monday. Doesn't quite sound as good, <laughs> but we'll go with it. <laughs> That's all right. All right, Rad. Yeah, look, this is a this is a a, a pretty cool topic because it's something that, um, in all honesty, we we fell into and. Uh, um, there's a, I always, I always pay full respect to Yanni for the work that he does in the gym to turn it into the phenomenal shape that it is and, and the vision of, uh, of, of these podcasts and everything that we move forward. But I take full credit for this one myself. Um, <laughs> and it, it, and it comes because of my fanatical obsession to be able to fit in what I know is the bare minimum that I need to do in order to get better. And we tried. We tried training twice a day, so doing a strength training session and then a flexibility session in the afternoon, and that delivers really good results. But man, does it rule your day. Like, you you feel like you're only just recovering from that strength training session, you have a couple of hours, and then you've got to do another training session, and it, it just wasn't practical for us. So we, we went to, you know, training one big session, and I did what the traditional way of doing things are, which is I did all my strength training and then I did all my stretching at the end and all my flexibility. And I found that the more time went by, the less stretching and flexibility I was doing. I was just cooked, I was tired, I was exhausted, and I just didn't have the drive to finish it. And so I just decided one day, I said to myself, I'm gonna try 
you know, when I'm doing my stretch, my strength training, I'll stretch in between and I'll figure out what stretches I can do that won't interfere with my rest for my strength training. Um, and that was the light globe moment. And that evolved into what we do now, which is by a country mile, the most effective way to get flexible and strong at the same time. And I think it's really important that we, uh, that we point out that um, based on a lot of um, great scientific research and literature, it probably on paper isn't the most effective way. But, and I have these great debates with people often, and I say, well, what, what, what results are you producing with the literature? You know, and look at them and say, you're either strong, flexible, or not, neither of the two. And in most cases, people aren't producing results anywhere near what we're doing here. So it, it comes down to- an, And it's and not just if they're producing results it, in themselves, it's that you're producing results in many other people as well. Yeah, I think it's really important to understand like the limitations of scientific literature where you kind of want to have, you know, you think it should just answer all the questions in the world, but <laughs> when it comes to actually designing a study, it is so impossibly hard to look at multiple factors at once. You yes. need to have, basically, you need to control as many factors as you can and then look at one thing specifically to get useful information. And so it becomes really challenging with, you know, um, when you're trying to find out what to do for something where you want to be fit, strong, yeah. like yeah. flexible, yeah. to try and incorporate something where, you know, where you've got multiple variables and you've got many different types of people. You've got men and women, you've got old people, young people. So that's where like there's this kind of disconnect between, you know, maybe yeah. you read a scientific article and you say like, yeah, that's exactly right. But like, you know, then yeah. you see how it applies in real life. And it, yeah. And, the, and this is the thing. Let me be absolutely clear. I did not say that to slam science. I, I passionately passionately believe that um, people should be following the science, you know, and at least understanding it uh, and then testing things for themselves. But the, the reason I say that is because there are going to be people out there who are um, uh, clinically trained mm. uh, who are going to go, well, that's not the, what the book textbooks say. The textbooks say that you should separate strength training and stretching. Yep. The textbooks yeah, say that any results, stretching yeah. is going to send a certain signal to the, um, the, the ner central nervous system. And then, where you, you know, you're going and asking it to do something completely different with the strength training. So the two are going to interfere to a degree. And look... It, that may happen to a degree, but I'm telling you right now, after after training seriously for 20 years and training clients, thousands of clients now for over 16 years, nothing I've done produces anywhere near the same result. And the reason is because there are all these other lifestyle factors that come into play. There is your motivation. There is your psychology. There is all these things that efficiency. I don't think, efficiency, that I don't day, think yeah. are considered, yeah. you know, um, that are real, that are real factors that you need to take into consideration. And what Rad said before is very, very important to understand. You know, um, doing a strength training session in the morning and then doing a, a stretching session in the afternoon is, you know, very effective, but it's not suitable for most people and it's uh, very hard to sustain. And that's what you really need to understand because it's the long game you need to play. You can't do something for a couple of months and hope for a good result. Y you've got to be able to do something and sustain it for multiple months, if not years, to get a good result. Yep. And so, you know, there's this this thing that comes into play, which is your motivation, um, that is that is really, really real. And our lives aren't getting slower. They're getting faster. 
You know, we're getting we're getting <laughs> addicted to speed. We're getting addicted to efficiency. You know, when's the last time you went back and used an old computer or an old phone and felt comfortable? You get a visceral reaction to inefficiency now. You know, it, it drives you insane. And so and that's that's quite normal and that's not going to go away it's only going to get more profound you know so your workouts have to have to replicate that efficiency as well otherwise you lose motivation you lose interest in it you know because and 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 the motivation is 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 critical to you staying true to the path yeah yeah and i've i mean we've spent i mean i i've spent years now trying to figure out the most efficient way to get all this stuff done and then what I've figured out that's worked for me, I've then passed on to you guys and to our members, and it's been road tested on everyone. And so it does work. Yeah, it's um, efficiency and, and results. Like, yeah. you know, you, you got to see that what you're doing is actually getting somewhere. Yeah, and it's like you, you can have like state. a quick F45 workout, but yeah. like you're never progressively overloading, you're never yeah. like working towards specific goals. So it's that, that balance. It's about, of it's about objective results. results, like what you said the other yeah. day. You know, it's about objectively being able to take a picture of yourself and then another picture six months later and see, wow, I have increased my range of motion. Yeah, but I think subjective subjective results as, as well. Like yeah. the way, I think one of the biggest things that I um, hear when talking to people who are getting into training is, is it's like, you know, they haven't done flexibility like this before and like, oh, my body just feels like yeah. new yeah. <laughs> or yeah. something. Well, that's like the it's first this. thing that people go yeah. through, isn't it? The first yeah. thing that they say is, I, I just feel so much better. Yeah. I feel so much better. So, you know, back on point, you know, how do you incorporate end range strength into your workouts? Um, we've created a really effective process for this where when you're training your upper body, you're doing lower body end range strength. And if you don't know what end range strength is, it is flexibility training, but it's flexibility training where you're taking your body, there's a series of exercises that are done in a, in a specific order so that you, um, you start to activate certain muscle groups before other muscle groups and you develop uh, a little bit of range, you know, warm yourself up. And then basically you're you're training your muscles at their end range. So you're training them in a contracted position to teach the nervous system that it can produce strength, you know, in that end range. And that really changes your flexibility training. So, you know, really a, a basic way to understand it is if you're doing a shoulder press and a pull-up session, you're doing end range strength for your, uh, you know, hamstring flexibility or middle splits or, or something like that. And then vice versa, when you're doing a squat or a deadlift session, you're doing your end range strength for your shoulders, for your shoulder flexibility and external and internal rotation. Yeah. Yeah. And I think um, what people um, are potentially getting a little bit hung up on is that there are lots of different ways to um, uh, um, train flexibility. We use a, a stack. We like to boast that we have a very, very illustrious toolbox of different methods and techniques and philosophies <coughs> that we rotate and we use. Neither are better than the other, neither are more effective than the other. They're all as effective as each other, but they're only effective if you stack them and, and, and undulate between them and rotate them and, you know, because like anything, doing the same thing over and over again, your body just uh, very quickly adapts to it, you know, and then the stimulus isn't as effective. And so um, um, what uh, probably even uh, starts to bring us close to some of the questions that have been asked um, by Ben is, you know, what's, how do you fit it all together uh, we've got all these different um, courses uh, and, and training protocols and the guys in the UMS um, online coaching get access to all of them. The base UMS program has prescribed 
flexibility training between each set, between each strength set. Then we've got the Mobility Masterclass, which is very, very movement specific. Then we've got the N-Range Strength course, um, and people want to know how to fit it all together. And the simple answer is you don't fit it all together. They're different tools. It's like trying to use uh, three spanners on the one nut. You just yeah. don't do it. You choose the spanner that you're going to use for that job, and then you get the job done. You know, And we like to say that a mesocycle, which is for us at Unity Gym, six weeks, but they vary depending <coughs> on the strength coach and the athlete and the time, uh, the schedule that you've got. You know, Mesocycles can be three weeks, four weeks, five weeks, six weeks. Um, our mesocycle is six weeks. That's the job. So you're going to use one of those tools to get that mesocycle done and then rotate it out with something different, you know? And that stimulus, that changing of stimulus is one of the things that um, continues your progression. Phil mentioned this before, we refer to it as progressive overload in strength and conditioning or sports science. And it's very important. It's very, very important. And from time to time, the progressive overload w will be actually regressive because you will have, a, have, have gone into COVID lockdown or something and you'll need to regress the amount of stimulus and load a little bit and then slowly progress from there. From time to time, you might um, overdo it and, and um, mismanage your load and end up with something that's not feeling right and you'll need to regress certain movements to find the right uh, stimulus entry point for that, you know? So w what I, I think I wanna get on and Rad and Phil can dive in here is, you know, we have a lot of different, we're, we're teaching you a lot of different methods to skin a cat here. And, you know, there are some that are a little bit more technical than others. Uh, but what we want to get you guys, we're really, our goal is to teach you how to fish. You know, our goal is for you guys to get to the point where we're at, where uh, you know that you can trade things in and out. You know that if you've skipped, missed a few weeks like I have now, I've gone back and regressed to the baseline UMS program because it's simple and easy. You know, and, and that for me is a really good way of rebuilding my daily exercise habit and practice, you know, mm -hmm. uh, and and that's where we want you guys to get to. Yeah, I think it's, um, you know, it, it's less about us giving you recipes and rather teaching how to cook. Like it's, it's so important to understand that like all of these things are teaching you the principles that when you come up with roadblocks and come up with, um, you know, sort of changes in training or your, your goals change, you, you can take all this information and... and figure out how to adapt and, and to get what you really want instead of just being like, well, I have to do exactly as I say. And yeah, yeah, <laughs> absolutely. It, so. Absolutely. And well, I like that. We're, 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 instead of giving you recipes, we're teaching <laughs> you how to cook. There you go. You can keep that one. Yeah. <laughs> That's great. That's great. That's going in the email today. <laughs> and then, uh, and, 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 you know, another way to look at it is that Ben has asked questions uh, about the stretching that's included in the UMS Foundations program and then about the phase one and two for the Mobility Masterclass, which is all about active flexibility or loaded flexibility, and then about the end range strength. So we put those into three different categories. There's the UMS Foundation stretching, there's the loaded stretching. Uh, are we, are we gonna dive onto Ben's questions? Because if we will, let's read them out for context. But weren't we just talking about which one of the types of stretching should I be doing and when should I be doing or should I, that, so I'm, I'm answering that question. Okay. I'm talking about yep. that. So when you look at those three different um, areas, the way I like to look at it is, and this is the way it was intended that when I wrote the programs, the stretching and flexibility that is included in the UMS Foundations program is very, very effective. And it was handpicked to deliver exceptional results. 
it's not beginner stretching. That's not what it is. It's it's a, a, a way of stretching that can be incorporated with your workout that is, there's less in it, meaning less choices, less things to think about, so you can get volume easily. But sometimes that's the best thing. But that's exactly right. But that's you know? exactly right. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. The mobility masterclass phase one and two, phase two is a progression from phase one. That's what it's designed for. A lot of people ask that question is the next step up. There's more to it. There's more things that you have to do. There's more volume. So you've got to be more committed to your training session. You have to have a little bit more time. And then end range strength is that little bit step up from there. It's not that it's a more advanced thing. It's just that there's more to it, more to think about, more demand on the body. So I like to think of end range, like sometimes I stop doing end range strength, even from a week to week thing if I'm just not feeling great or if I don't have enough time to put into my workout because it is hard. It's hard to do. Even though you're resting your upper body when you're doing lower body end range strength, you're, there's massive neural drive, you know, of trying to, you know, really make those contractions at end range. So you've got to be really, you got to be, you know, in the, in the headspace for a solid training session if you want to be doing it. Yep. So the the idea of how do I use it, how do I blend it, how do I do this, you don't blend it. You choose which one you're gonna be doing for a little while and you try to stick to it. Of course, the goal is that you have a plan for a mesocycle and you really follow it. But then if life gets in the way and maybe from week to week, maybe like I'm, I'm sick this week, I've got a cold since my son's gone to daycare. So my training this week is I've had to just modify everything and I'm going back to my minimum viable workouts, you know, rather than what I'd love to do. You know, so I'm even just doing passive stretching between sets just to do a little bit of stretching, you know? Yeah. Yeah. yeah that's right. Passive stretching, old school. Old, old school. school. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. No, but yeah. I still love it. I still do. No, exactly. Like, I still it, it do. Yeah. I mean, I do, like, I try to passive stretch as much as I can. I know. It's just kind of funny to think, like, oh, I'm only doing passive stretching. Yeah, it's no, like, you know, no. it's like, what it's funny, isn't it? Yeah. Look, the, the thing, the thing, sorry to cut, cut you off. I think this is really, really important that we make, make a point of this. The thing that gets the best result is just turning up and doing the work. Yeah. Like it doesn't, at the end of the day, it's nighttime. No, at the end of the day, it doesn't really, it. <laughs> it doesn't really um, matter how technical the work is. You know, you can produce incredible results with absolute simplicity uh, and, and coupled with consistency, you know, and so, you got to be very careful. Everyone's out there looking for the new shiny object or the next big best thing, you know. And I like to say, build your toolbox. Like, build your toolbox and get it really, really uh, nicely robust with a few great tools that you know work really, really well. And then just be selective about when you use those tools. But don't get confused with trying to combine tools for the same job or whatever, you know, like th that's not how it works. Yeah. It's all about um, using the right tool at the right time. Yep. And, and, and if you play around with using one program for six or eight weeks and then another program for six or eight weeks and then another one for six or eight weeks, that's going to be time well spent. Yeah. That's not going to be time wasted. Yeah. You're not going to look back on that in six months or a year and think, man, I really wasted all that time stretching and learning how to use these programs no yeah. you're not you're going to look back at that and go wow that was really valuable time yeah and yeah it's like what yanni and phil have just said about this learn to cook rather than just take a recipe um the the, the better you get at this the more that you learn to understand it that like the doors you know only um my kung fu teacher used to say to me he used to say there's a whole house to explore 
But when you start, I'm only going to open one door for you. So you walk into one room and you've got to learn that room first. You've got to understand where all the furniture is and figure it out. And then we'll open the door to the next room. And then you'll open the door to the next room. So that's how you want to approach your training. And once you've been through the whole house, you can visit any room whenever you want. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. Yeah, look, I had a real breakthrough on this. With uh, my, what, One of the areas of my body that I've really battled with is, is hamstring flexibility. And I've had that since I had a um, pretty bad horse riding accident as a kid and my hamstrings locked up to protect my lower back to keep to prevent movement, which was a f um, important for a, a while. But then after everything had healed, uh, it was no longer serving me. And, and you know, I, we, I practiced a couple of loaded hamstring stretches and they felt amazing and I did them for a couple of months. And then uh, after a while, Rad sort of came along and said, you know, you should try going into uh, a straddle doing that. The example was when we were doing loaded hamstring mm. on the bench, like a deficit. And then just by going into a slight straddle, which is essentially opening my legs on two, um, uh, two steps, and, and dangling with a kettlebell in the middle, it completely changed the dynamic of the stretch for me. And, you know, I realized that what I was doing, I wasn't really feeling much anymore in my hamstrings. And then by doing that change, bang, there goes, there, there it is again. I'm getting a really great stretch again. And this is just a perfect example. The stretch that I was doing was one of the best stretches I'd ever found, yep. you know, and initially it produced incredible results. But then doing the same thing for a couple of months, even though I was loading more and more weight in my hands with, with dumbbells, it was no longer producing the right result. I had to alter the, the um, stimulus <laughs> a little bit. And this is what we're talking about. Like in each of these programs, you're going to learn a series of new ways of doing the same thing. And your goal is to just m become proficient in them and then get to a point where you've got enough in your toolbox that you can, you, you never have to do the same thing for more than a mesocycle, you know? So every year you might be rotating the same group of movements, yep. but you're never doing them for long enough that you plateau. Yep. And, and this is the thing, you know, one of our good friends, um, uh, Sebastian Oreb over at Australian Strength Coach, I've heard him say this a dozen times, I don't believe you um, should ever plateau. Yeah. And I agree with that. Yeah. I agree with that. If you understand programming and you understand the fundamentals of progressive overload, you should not plateau, yeah. you know, because you're constantly, you're, uh, you're going to um, be constantly changing and forcing these adaptations in the body. The only time that you should ever plateau is if you take time away from training. Yeah. And that's totally normal, you know. Well, yeah. we're running out of time, so. Um, Let's quickly go through Ben's uh, last couple of questions. Okay. Okay. So. Uh, well, he's saying, let's just cover this one quickly because we shouldn't spend a lot of time on this. Number um, one. Yeah. A lot of the main body weight movements in the program are seriously regressed. This from is, what I'm he's speaking about this the, the foundations program. program. So they wouldn't match up relative intensity to the weighted work. It, uh, if this is by design to focus on body weight technique at a regressed level, then I could either A, forget about my current body weight strength progressions and just back uh, build back up to it later when starting progressions program or B, Maintain what I have strength-wise, I think, by doing one set at full intensity once a week. Not sure about that. Or should I increase the intensity of the bodyweight movements to match the intensity of the weighted work? Um, ben, it sounds to me, the first thing I'm going to say is it sounds like you are much more advanced than the average person that we get here, which is great. But we don't really know that until we see what you can do. So the first thing we need to say is that we need to see you do your best body weight progressions. And then we will tell you, because most often when people come to us, they say, I've been doing calisthenics for five years. And we look at their 
technique and they've, they've really skipped a lot of steps and that's why they've hit that glass ceiling and they're coming to us because they, they cannot progress because they haven't learned how to do the basics properly. So that they said- They haven't built a foundation. They haven't built a good foundation. But that said, let's presume that happen. your technique is good and in that case, you should absolutely be doing your best effort. Yep. You don't regress when you already have worked hard to develop a level of skill. The foundations work becomes supplementary work. So what you would do is, Let's say for a planche, um, if you can do a tuck planche, do your tuck planche as an A1 and uh, a lever as A2, but then do the rest of the program as the supplementary. As the B, same same, B's, same yeah. with a squat. If you've worked up to doing a, a body weight back squat or a one and a half times body weight back squat, do that as your A1 and then do the rest of the program as your supplementaries. Don't stop doing your squats, you'll get weaker. Yeah, that's absolutely right. Okay, yeah. I, I agree 100%. I don't know if you've got anything to add to that. Okay, like the second question we've answered already, which is how to fit the stretching together. Um, yep. The third question is a really important one, and this is absolutely important. I'll, I'll read it out to build some context. In the tutorial, it looks like Richie is arching his back for the dumbbell incline press. Have I got that right? His scapula are attracted and depressed the whole time. Hips driving down, and the back is allowed to be arched a little, or is it supposed to be flat? I'll tell you 100%, the back is meant to be arched. The, uh, the, glutes, the glutes should remain in contact with the bench and the back should be arched. And this is one of the, the reasons why we say flexibility carries over to everything you do. You know, it's hard to get a really good arched back in, on a bench press or a chest press initially. And that's why things like the back bridge and the front splits will really, really help that. They'll contribute because they'll release the hip flexors and they'll improve your thoracic extension. Now, the reasons why the back is meant to be arched in all chest pressing exercises is because you need to remember uh, the scapula and the, sh the way the shoulder works, it's a very, very versatile and mobile joint. And what we need to do, there's nothing really fixed. There's no solid ball and socket joint like the hip where it's really plugged in and, and has a lot of stability with all those surrounding muscles. We need to create the rigidity in the shoulder for heavy pressing. And so we really want to lock the scapula back and down to create that stability. And then we want to put the shoulder into its most optimal pressing position where where it's going to be utilizing all of those big global muscles, the, the lats, the delts, the pecs, everything to help facilitate that drive upward. And um, uh, that's why we arch the back. Phil, you can probably add to that because there's something to do with the angles um, meeting underneath. What do, there's a, there's, I can never remember this, but it's, I, it's a physics. Um, I think uh, the important thing to like, just because we're talking about principles here, is the important thing to understand with strength movements is you're trying to like pretty much lock down the rest of the body so that when you <coughs> activate the muscle you, you want to use, that, you, you, that everything else is stable and you can really produce force from there. So um, like we, that's why we do the back arch and that's in that and also why in a, um, in a squat you'd uh, position your back and lift your elbows up to keep your chest tall. Like we, you want to kind of think about like a leg press. You want to lock down everything else so that when you your body is the machine and when you push hard with the muscles you're trying to strengthen, um, that nothing else moves. So that's exactly why we're doing the back arch in um, you know all of those pressing motions press, is to yeah. get to there. It's going to put your shoulders into the most sort of optimal position for um, pressing. It's going to keep your like your rotator cuff efficiency comes down to you know the ideal position for your your scapula. 
um, when you're pressing. So that will help with some of those anterior shoulder pain issues that people often get because they're sort of yeah. rounded a bit, they push, and then the rotator cuff doesn't do a great job in controlling that movement. Um, same with shoulder impingement as well. If we can keep it back and down, it will allow um, those muscles to work effectively and should minimize yeah. um, chance of aggravation. 100%. Now, there, there are the people out there that will say, particularly bodybuilders, that will say, <coughs> no, keep your back flat because you're going <coughs> to be able to isolate the chest more and this and that. Uh, I'll just say straight out, in my opinion, the bench press or the dumbbell chest press is not designed to isolate the chest. If you want to isolate the chest, do a pec fly or a cable pec deck or something like train that. Train the systems. Yeah, train the system. Train the movement, you know, and uh, and you'll, yeah, you'll, you'll have less injuries and you'll gain strength much faster. Love it. That's pretty much it. And the fourth question is, should I just shut up and do some bloody burpees? Absolutely. Uh, we've got t-shirts and jumpers that prove that. Uh, so, uh, yeah, if you've missed that inside joke, guys, um, you need a t-shirt. <laughs> <laughs> guys, that's pretty much all we've got time for today. We've got to get out and do our training ourselves. Uh, and uh, we will, that's Friday. So, where in a, in a few moments, I'll send an email uh, that's going to have a link to today's flash sale for the um, Mobility Masterclass. It's been asked by a few people this week, so we've decided to do it. It'll start today, 72 hours. Uh, you can pick that course up at a massively discounted price uh, and, yeah, really... Um, I guess, expand your repertoire in flexibility training. It's a fantastic course. It really is uh, has a lot of specificity for the four benchmarks that we use here in the UMS to measure and test advanced flexibility and mobility, which is the, the pancake, the front splits, middle splits, and the back bridge. Uh, it provides an all-over body benchmark for all of the Cali skills that you that we uh, teach, and um, it's just a really really good course because it uh, it teaches a lot of the uh, the end range strength. It includes it's the only course that we uh, provide and sell that includes the whole end range strength course. So yeah, I would I would absolutely 100%. If you haven't picked it up, even if you feel like you're at a beginner level, remember it's about building a toolbox. I used to be a mechanical engineer, and the best engineers had the biggest and most vast and um, uh, toolboxes because there's always times when you just need that little. But they also knew how to use them. But they also knew how to use them. Yeah, absolutely. That's very very true. Very true. <laughs> Yeah, you want to expand your toolbox, guys, and this is a great opportunity to do so. Uh, that's it for us this week. It's Friday, so we are off for the weekend. Get your Saturday sessions in. Enjoy the weekend for everyone in Australia. Enjoy Thursday for everyone in the US and uh, the UK, I think. And, yeah, we'll, uh, we'll catch you all on the flip side on Monday, and we'll be talking physio. Let's come up with a cool name for Physio Monday. Uh, we've got a couple of uh, players in here. Monday Movement, Mending Monday. Uh, great idea. Never thought of mixing programs up. Um, thanks for joining us, Andy, Lee, and whoever else is on the live stream. See you all next week. See you, guys. Health is about performance, not just body image. You better be willing to accept what you're going to have to do to get there. We'll start focusing on movement goals, strength goals, flexibility goals. When you nail that skill, it's there forever. The body image goal doesn't get you that far. It's the consistency and frequency that's going to get you there. It's not the intensity. 
There's no shortcuts to mastery and movement. Destination doesn't change overnight, but your direction will. The gym is not the place to beat up the body that you hate. It's the place to build the body that you love. We are the gym that teaches people how to move instead of just exercise because we believe that health is about performance, not just body image.